Adam Roberts, British science fiction writer, academic, and professor at the University of London. He's author of 25 science fiction novels. This is a continuing series that started at episode 180. So let's talk about Purgatory Mount. Give us an introduction of the main character. What, what does he want? Or I'm assuming the he. I haven't read it. So what does the main character want? And why do they want it? And what's stopping them? So that's, yeah, those are, these are good questions. And those are good questions if you're, if you're thinking of writing a novel. This is, this is how you need to frame the story. Yeah, Purgatory Mount is, the main character is actually a, is a, a, a girl. In fact, I'm trying to think. The, it's, a, it's a slightly complex structure. It's, it's in two parts. One part is set in the very far future, in which uh, kind of super-evolved humans are exploring the galaxy in spaceships. And then you're writing science fiction story, you have to make that decision. Are you going to have spaceships that can go faster than light, or are they going to go stay within the kind of Newtonian, Einsteinian constraints of real physics? And so I chose the latter, so these spaceships take hundreds of years to get where they're going. But that doesn't matter, because these super-evolved kind of cyborg humans can slow down time as far as they're concerned. So it only seems to them to take a short time. And they find this planet, and it has this gigantic kind of alien superstructure on it, which is, again, it's kind of a standard opening gambit for science fiction. But it looks like the Mount of Purgatory from Dante's Divine Comedy. So in Dante's Divine Comedy, the first part is in Hell, the Inferno, in which Dante and his guide, Virgil, go down through all the the different circles of Hell right to the centre of the earth. And the further down they go, the more grievous the sinners they encounter who are being punished in Hell. And right at the centre of the earth they find Satan embedded in a huge block of ice. And then they kind of sneak out to the other side, to the Antipodes. And then in the second part of the Divine Comedy, they climb this gigantic mountain, which is Mount Purgatory. And Purgatory is where sinners who have repented are able to work off their sins in this medieval Catholic theology that Dante believed to be true. And so the higher you go in Purgatory, the less grievous the sins become until you finally purged all your sin at the top of Mount Purgatory. And then you can go to heaven. So I wrote my book in three parts, and the first and the last part are quite short, and they're set in this far future world, and investigating the mystery of this this alien megastructure. And then the second part of the novel, which is the longest part, is set a few years from now in uh, your country, Lancer, in the United States of America, which is, I gave it to an American friend of mine to read, to check I wasn't, I was making ridiculous errors because I'm not American. I don't know if my accent gives that away or not. But, <laughs> um, and he, he kind of caught me up on a few things that I wouldn't say if I, if I were American, but he also was a bit dismayed by how kind of dystopian my vision of future America is and everything's kind of going wrong. But I mean, that's not because I have a feeling that America is, is a dystopian place. It seems to be still a, a land of wonder and, and splendor. But, I'm shocked by this. It's, 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 it I is know, utopia, exactly. right? <laughs> I know, exactly. But I needed, it to be dy- 
I needed to be dystopian for the purpose of the story. So the first part of my story is kind of hell. And the last part of my story moves into some kind of science fiction paradise. So the middle part, which is the longest part, has to be purgatorial. It has to be putting my characters. And they're, the two main characters are both teenagers, and they're caught up in what is kind of a, a war in near-future America. And they suffer various things, but they kind of endure them and they get through them. It's, it's, it's hopeful in that sense. But it is purgatorial. And I say that a little shamefacedly because I'm perfectly aware there aren't many people who sit down and think, oh, I'd like to read a book. I hope it's properly purgatorial. I hope it really, <laughs> it really makes me feel like God. You want something a bit more positive and uplifting can do, but that's not, that's not what I've written, I have to say. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so, you have, so I have a question now, because I'm not sure. Are you saying it's, it is purgatorial enough or not? What do you mean about this? Well, if it, if it were down to me, it would be a lot more purgatorial. But okay. apparently, <laughs> they just don't want that. They, they, want a little bit of, they want a glimmer of hope somewhere. Oh, okay. stories, otherwise, they get... And it, it kind of ends, hopefully, I don't know. Perhaps it actually doesn't end very hopefully. And I think the point of it is to show two characters. As a, a, so the, the girl is... And resourceful and quite—I mean, she's still a girl. I mean, this is comes about as we were talking earlier, Lance, what it means to have kids, and then you, having been a kid yourself, you get this amazing second chance to observe kids kind of firsthand, but from the outside, and to see what they're like. And when you're a kid yourself, you're all caught up in it, and you, you don't have a sense of yourself. You don't have a proper perspective on it. Whereas when I look at my kids, and I look at their friends, and I look at the younger generation. I'm kind of in awe of how resourceful and how hardworking and how committed and how kind of how hard they're in, in a world that is much harder for them than I think it was for me in many ways, how they're making the best of it. And that's kind of what the novel's about, I think. So the girl is, she's only 15, I think, at the start of the book, but she's together and resourceful and she's put in these horrible situations and she does the best she can to get through them and get out the other side. She's quite religious it seemed to me odd that it's so rare given how important i'm not a very religious person myself but given how important religion is not just in america but around the world how important a part of it is of most people's lives on the planet how rarely characters in fiction embody that unless you're specifically writing christian fiction let's say so i mean it fits my thesis it fits the novel because the novel is about this of science fictional version of Dante's kind of fundamentally Catholic worldview. So that's how she sees the world as well. And then her her on her on-off boyfriend's part of this friendship group. They get separated at the beginning. And he's a different character because he's kind of on the autism spectrum and he's but he's also very resourceful and he does the best he can. And they go on these separate journeys and I mean, it's a bit of a spoiler, but they kind of can come together again at the end. Cool. Yeah. So your character's a, a, a Catholic who's doing the best with what she can in society. And yeah, what's, what's the, what's at the beginning of the novel, what's the biggest thing on her mind? Okay. So if I look at my kids, the, the several ways in which their situation is different from my situation, they're, they're, seem to be sanguine about the fact that it's going to be really hard for them to get on the property ladder, that the environment seems to be being degraded and corrupted all around them, that their futures look more pinched and less, you know, open than minded at their age. But by the same token, they're all online all the time. And I'm trying to, I think, work out 
whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because it wasn't available to me when I was a kid and I'm quite online and I'm often struck when I go on Twitter you know we call Twitter this hell site um, and there's a reason for that and I'm thinking well perhaps being online all the time is it's bad for you and yet when I look at my kids that's where their friendship mostly yeah. happens i mean they still do meet up in the real world and go and do things and play and this and that but right. they're always in touch with their friends and their friendship their friendship group is much larger and it seems to be much more supportive than my friendship group was when i was a kid huh. so i'm kind of interested in that that's where she starts she starts she's part of a, a a friendship group she has four friends and they're mostly they kind of hang out online and they have their own kind of private little network. Yeah. And for some reason, the government is really interested in what's going on in their little private network, even though they're just five kind of Midwest teen, or they're not, they're from the Northeast, but they're five teenagers. Yeah. There's something in their network that is incredibly valuable to the government. So the government arrests them and separates them. And then a war breaks out and they get kind of discharged and they have to try and make their way home. And that's the, that's the story. Wow. Okay, that's a big deal. It's interesting to write America from a British perspective because, in one hand, we're saturated with American culture. We get American TV and films all the time. And particularly now, again, now that we're all extremely online, I have many, many friends in America that I feel I get a sense of what it's like over there. And then, of course, America has dominated global news, at least since 2016 and the election of Trump. And that's just, it crowds out all the other news stories. <laughs> By the same token, to write a novel, you need to know all the kind of the qualia, the, the kind of actualities of everyday life, and a lot of that isn't part of the, the culture that America produces. The sort of stuff that you take so much for granted that it's not part of what goes on. If you enjoy listening to Sci-Fi Thoughts, but find it difficult to remember to. Check the website for new shows. Get this technology from the future. Install into your phone a podcast player. Using this, you can subscribe to our podcast feed. And next thing you know, you'll be cruising around in your car with your phone plugged in, playing sci-fi thoughts, or you'll be out there jogging, or you'll be doing whatever you want to do. And have your ears plugged into some cool science fiction programming. You can find instructions on lancerkind.com. In this episode's show notes, you will see a TEDx talk by Adam Roberts and an assortment of other activities. Where are the show notes? Check out the show notes in the podcast player app. You just need to go click on in the app and you will see the notes there. If you don't use a podcast player, but you downloaded the MP3, just go back to this website where you got it and you will see those words right there. Next episode, more Adam Roberts. So in Purgatory Mount, you, you've talked about the American woman growing up in, 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 the, uh, in America, and you started telling us about spacecraft and faster than light. So I'm trying to connect all that together. So what is the setting here? Is, is she traveling in space? What's going on? 
You're being evasive, I feel. What's going on here? You're you're trying to protect us from a spoiler or... uh, Yeah, let's say that. We'll say I'm protecting you from a spoiler, and it's not that I've completely forgotten my own novel. It's writing it. I've written several more. And there are more up I could go and dig out a copy of Purgatory Mound, and then I'd refresh my memory, and I could actually answer your question. Perhaps that's a thing I should do. I am surprised I don't have a copy here, actually, because you think I would. Bear with me for 20 seconds, answer. Sure, go ahead. Meanwhile, I'll look up Purgatory Mount online for a second here. 